Hello again, double teamed fam. I really need to think of something new to say here, um, but welcome back. I hope you had a great day, week. So we have an astrologer here with us today. You know Nikki and I love astrology and we're so excited um, to get this convo going. So this is Kira from The Astrology Show. Her handle on IG is at the astrology. She is an astrologer, educator, creative, and we're happy to have you here today. If you want to introduce yourself real quick. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, yeah, I'm Kira. <laughs> I'm an astrologer. I do a lot within the field of astrology, within the astrology community. So happy to be here. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. Main reason why I wanted to do this episode was because I was curious if there are certain astrology signs that are maybe more geared towards monogamy or non-monogamy. I've been paying more attention to the people that I date, like in terms of their signs and their placements and stuff. I have so many birth charts on my phone right now. It's ridiculous because I always ask every guy, I'm like, what time are you born? Where? Birthday? Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. And they're actually pretty willing to give up that information, which is great. But I noticed a lot of patterns. So I just wanted to I get kind of an expert's point of view on if maybe some signs are kind of geared more towards the other or whatnot. But I guess before we get started, I know people, you know, when it comes to astrology, some are really into it. Some don't really pay attention to it. Some just kind of hear it, you know, in social media and some places here and there. So I guess kind of what is your take on astrology in the sense of like, how do you apply it to your life? How do you explain it to people that are maybe new to it? That kind of thing. Yeah. So basically it's way more than just, you know, your sun signs. What we do, what astrologers do is we cast what's called a birth chart or a natal chart, which is basically like this 2D blueprint basically of where all the planets were at the moment in time that you were born from the perspective of where you were in the world. So what this looks like is this chart, this circle with the 12 signs on the outside and you can see little glyphs of the planets on the inside and the 12 houses, which correlate to areas of life. So we basically read this chart that speaks to who you are. And kind of the idea around it is as above, so below. So everything that's happening up in the heavens and in the, the sky with the planets is just a reflection of what's happening down here. It's not like a cause and effect sort of thing. It's more like that's happening up there and stuff's happening down here. And they, again, the as above, so below, like they mirror each other in a way. Hmm, I really like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and basically when, you, when you're born, you take your first breath, you breathe in the moment in time and space. So you kind of become that moment and you're kind of like a crystallized talismanic version of a moment in time, basically. Wow. And so we use the birth chart to read that and to look more into who you are and also what's going on in your life, what's your fate, what's your fortune. Like we can use it to predict what's to come. We can use it to understand what's happened in the past. We can use it for like a million different things. So it's kind of this like amazing tool. Little homework assignment for anyone who's listening. If you kind of want to follow along, maybe pull out your birth chart if you've done it. Yeah. If you haven't, what are some suggestions for like sites or where someone can get like a good chart? Yeah. So I think the easiest route would be to go to Channing Nicholas's site. She's an incredible astrologer. She wrote 
an amazing book called You Were Born for This. She has her own app, the Chani app. But on her website, mm-hmm. if you go to chart.chanynicholas.com, you can pull up your chart. Just enter in your name, your the time of your birth, the day of your birth, the time, day, and location. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. And it'll pull up your chart in Whole Sign Houses, which is what... I use and recommend too. So that's like the easiest way. If you want to get more detailed, if you want to play around a little bit more, astro.com is like an amazing free resource for astrology things as well. So if I were you, I would pull up your chart and I would use whole sign houses. I know for a lot of people, that's not going to make any sense or mean anything, but it's basically just a, a house system. It's a way of dividing up the chart that is more simple, I think. So yeah, whole sign houses find your birth chart. I'm going to start, I'm going to kind of, when I talk about things today, kind of refer to certain parts of the chart and I'll, I'll explain that as we go. Cool. Okay. Sounds nice. good with me. Any thoughts on CoStar? Cause that's what I used religiously for years. Yeah. We don't like CoStar. <laughs> I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually the head astrologer for a new app that's coming out soon. Oh, It's uh, the only astrology app for sex, love and relationships. And it's called Cusp. It comes out at the end of October. I'm really excited about that. So oh, nice. we definitely prefer Cusp and also the Chani app. Also, even like time passages over CoStar because CoStar, we just don't like it. Yeah. I'll hop it is on very that. Basic. Yeah. It's basic. It's very AI driven, kind of cold. Like they're not actual astrologers writing mm-hmm. yeah. CoStar. And oftentimes, the reason I mostly don't like CoStar is because most of the time, not most of the time, but often the calculations are incorrect. So it'll tell you your moon signs, like the wrong sign and stuff like that. Good to know. Because usually guys only know of CoStar. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, some girl made me download CoStar. And I'm like, okay, well, I used Cafe Astrology, which apparently is also not a good one. It's not a a bad one. It's just... It's not as an astrologer, as someone who teaches astrology, I want you to see your chart. Like I want you to see the circle Mm -hmm. because that's actually representing like the sky, you know, Mm. parts of the chart. The ascendant represents the eastern horizon. The descendant represents the western horizon. The IC, the MC, like these are all it mimics like the natural world in a way where the table chart doesn't do anything for you. It just tells you what you're what. Yeah, it doesn't show you. The aspects, it doesn't show you much. It's just I do like basic. that it's hard to whenever I'm on TikTok and <laughs> an astrologer pops up, they do use the circle one. That's yeah, the, the, the full I stay away from Astro TikTok. Yeah. I just don't. Oh, it's a whole oh, world. Oh, is it bad? I'm on there a lot. There's some good I'm ones, afraid, but it's a whole I'm afraid world. to see what's on there, yeah. There, yeah, <laughs> I, I do feel there are some, some fake accounts, so that's always fun. Yeah. But. So I guess I didn't really explain myself and why I was curious about it, about astrology related to monogamy or non-monogamy. So obviously I'm in a non-monogamous marriage. My husband and I have been open for about four years. Like I said, I just noticed a lot of patterns of the people that are willing and open-minded to it and then the ones that aren't. And so, like I said, just wanted your opinion on it. So if you're ready, I guess we can dive in. Okay. Uh, My first one would be what signs or placements that gravitate towards monogamy and yeah. why. And before you say anything, I have a sneaking suspicion that Pisces sons cannot be non-monogamous because <laughs> I've had really bad luck with them. <laughs> well, okay. What I, 
What I'll say is, unfortunately, I can't say just like, you know, one sign or a couple signs are into monogamy or non-monogamy. It's so much more complicated and complex than that. Mm -hmm. But I can speak to placements just because, yeah, like you'll find monogamous and non-monogamous Pisces and Taurus, like all the signs. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, I can speak to sort of patterning and yeah, placements so you can see. So monogamy, when I think about monogamy, I think of people who want consistency and stability, not to say that you can't get that non-monogamy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would imagine that's sort of the foundation of it. I don't know. What is the foundation of monogamy? <laughs> Actually, that's a great question. I hadn't even thought about that until you mentioned it. So because you're right, you can find stability and consistency in non-monogamy as well. And you find that's hard to say because you find loyalty in non-monogamy yeah. as well. I guess it's a less likelihood that they're willing to share the people they love or they may not necessarily have the bandwidth to give love to multiple people romantically at the same time. So maybe, oh, that's a good question. I hadn't even thought about how to define (laughs) monogamy. So maybe that's how we could define it for the sake of this is the people that are going to want to channel or the placements, I should say, Mm -hmm. that are going to want to channel all their love to one person, all their romantic love at least, or perhaps the ones that have like just like a sheer loyalty to one person when it comes to like a marriage or things like that. Mm -hmm. What I'll do is kind of start with parts of the chart we would look to for Mm -hmm. these things and then kind of go into the placement. So the first and most obvious is the seventh house. And the seventh house is the part of the chart that has to do with relationships. Other people are contractual relationships, our one-on-one relationships, but we definitely find our romantic relationships here too. So the seventh house, if you're looking at your chart in circle form, it's going to be the house that's on the right side. It's sort of like three o'clock if you're looking at it like a clock Mm -hmm. and it's opposite the first house. So the first house is the house of the self. This is where we find the eastern horizon point. It has all to do with you and who you are and your body, your identity. I like to say it's your vibe, like it's First house is you. Seventh house is directly opposite that, and that's the other person. So we look at the seventh house to sort of describe our relationships, the type of people we're into relationships with, and then like the nature of those relationships too. So you can look to that sign for more information. You guys are Aries Risings, right? Mm -hmm. So you have Libra in your seventh house. And so you might be attracted to Libran type of people. I know you guys are also Libras Mm -hmm. born around sunset. So yeah. Libran type, but then you can also look to the planet that rules that sign. Some people might know this, but the signs are really not the biggest part of astrology. The planets are like, yeah, it's all about the planets. So the planets rule the signs. Each planet rules two signs, except the sun and the moon. They just have one. And basically you can think of the signs as like environments or like kingdoms, homes for the planets. Mm -hmm. So like realms. Yeah. Yeah. So for instance, like Mars rules Aries. So I would call you guys like Martians because Mars is the planet (laughs) that rules your first house. So Venus rules Libra. Mm-hmm. And so you're likely going to be attracted to Venusian type of people, people who what that means is, you know, Venus is the planet of love and beauty, of connection, relationships, pleasure, pleasure, yeah. art, music, that type of stuff. So that's what you're going to be attracted to. And then we look to where Venus is in your chart for like more information. You guys have Venus in, in Virgo. So that's also going to put like a different 
kind of spin to the type of Venusians you're attracted to. So yeah, the seventh house is, is like the most important part of the chart when it comes to relationships. And then the first house, which is you too. So you want to be able to like understand where you're coming from and then where the other people are coming from too. So you, so it's important to know the rising so that you can figure out where all the houses are. Yes, exactly. Interesting. That's why you need to know the time. That's yeah, why the time, the time is, important. is important. And the place because... If you're born at 12 in, in Argentina, yeah, the sky will look different than if you were born that same time in China or something Makes like that. Makes sense, yeah. So that's why the time and location matter. But yeah, so the seventh house is, is really important. On top of that, we'd also look to the fifth house because this is where we find pleasure and fun and entertainment and joy and sex hmm. in the chart. So I did not know that. Yeah, the fifth house is is the fun house. It's also where we find babies and like oh, it's, okay. it's basically what we what those. we give birth to. Do we have <laughs> so, anything in the fifth house? Um, no, we don't. It um, would be Leo for you guys. No, we don't have that. Which is fine because we would just look to the planet that rules that house for more information. Like no one's gonna have a planet in every house. Makes sense. Yeah, not gonna happen. So yeah, the fifth house is about how we. I like to say it's what we give birth to, but really what that means is what we're creating, like what we're kind of forming inside of us and, you know, bringing out uh, into the world. So this is where we find artistic selves, our creative selves, but also things like, you know, sex, which makes babies, not all the time, but sometimes that's, mm -hmm. that's usually how we get babies, right? What? Sex, creativity, fun, enjoyment, pleasure, all that's found in the fifth house. So that will more speak to examining your fifth house will more speak to how you go about those things, how you go about sex and pleasure and, what you need to be turned on, basically. And then we look to Venus because Venus is the planet of relationships and partnerships. And your Venus sign will speak to how you go about forming relationships with other people, how you go about attracting others, and will describe what you're attracted to as well. Yeah. I have a question. Do either of you guys date like or have find yourselves attracted to like people who work in service industry? Like bartenders and stuff like that. I have a thing for firefighters. Oh. Um, <laughs> like I, I dated a lot of firefighters. Not too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I have like a weird thing for bartenders, and I had to. I had Wait, to why service industry? I'm curious. Yeah, because I'm curious about that part. Your seventh. I'm saying you're obviously for both of you have some similar charts, but um, your seventh house is is Libra. You have a bunch of planets there, but it's ruled by your Venus and Virgo in the sixth house and. Mm. The sixth house has a lot to do with service and work. And so I would imagine your partners are people who often work a lot <laughs> or people who, you know, will find themselves in, in a position of kind of, yeah, doing a lot of work. Interesting. So um, my or, husband's or, a pilot. He does a lot oh, of work. Okay. So is that service industry? I don't know. It doesn't have to be service It's cargo. Industry. It's it like, like it helps work. people get their stuff. Okay. Right. Just be, kind of being always kind of laboring in some way. He's definitely a workaholic working. in the sense yeah. that like I told him I was, you know, one day I'd love to retire you. And he was like, no, I'd still keep working. And I'm like, oh, well, then never mind. There yeah, goes that goal. That's, that, okay. I can see that in the chart. I would say sure. we're both attracted to very goal-driven people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like if they are on their grind and hustling, like, yeah, we like like yeah. That. yeah, that's Mainly what I prefer. We do the same thing. Yeah, so I need someone sense. that's going to be at the same pace. Interesting. Okay, so now I'm going to have to look at the seventh house more than I thought I would. So, and we have a lot of we have three. You guys have a lot there. Yeah, in the seventh house. Yeah, so I like partnership, but that's interesting because I like how you're saying in relation to the fifth house that makes sense how they look at sex and how they prioritize it in families as well.
well. But like for me, sex is, it's fun. It's supposed to be like explorative. Like it's something that you use to fulfill yourself and explore yourself and get to know yourself. At least for me, like that's what it does. Not necessarily like build a family or like Mm -hmm. quote unquote make love. Right. I hate that term. I gag every time. (laughs) And it's beautiful for the people that believe in sex as a form of making love. But I'm like, for me, like if I love someone, like I show them in different ways, not Mm -hmm. with sex. Like I I show them in like my commitment to them and my partnership, support, all of that good stuff, not necessarily Are you like an acts of service type of person? In terms of- Like you get, like your love language, the way you give love is acts of service? What is my love? How do I give love? I don't know. (laughs) When Nikki lets you in, when she drops her guard for someone, she is very giving. Yeah. So that's fair. You're right. Like for me, you know, anytime I need anything, she's always willing to help me out. So, and and vice versa. I was going to say vice versa, right? It is access for both of your charts. Good to know. I mean, you got that one ex, that birthday cake. Oh, yeah. On his birthday. On his birthday. Even though having issues. No, he broke up with me like literally a week later. Oh, no. Yeah, no, it's fine. (laughs) He was a Gemini. There you go. I I (laughs) lean towards, and I have it on my Bumble profile, swipe right if you're a Leo or a Gemini. But so Geminis, I find are pretty open-minded to my non-monogamy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. They like really don't care that I have a husband. Like they don't really ask a lot of questions, but like when they do, which they can be quite inquisitive about it, they like, it comes from a place of like curiosity and just like wanting to understand. Leo's on the other hand, no. It's like a competition. They're like, I don't want to hear about this dude. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just ended a relationship with of a Gemini with a bunch of Leo placements and it's definitely a mix of both. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, I mean, in terms of monogamy, non-monogamy, I would say like I find people who have strong aspects to Pluto tend to not like not monogamy. They they tend to be more monogamous. And the reason I say that is Pluto is this planet that deals with extremes and also can lean towards like obsession or extreme control, things like that. Mm -hmm. And when I say like major placements and aspect to Pluto, what I mean, this is probably going to go over most people's heads, but like if your sun is an aspect to Pluto, aspects meaning angles basically. So if you have like sun conjunct Pluto or square Pluto or opposite Pluto mm-hmm. or your moon or the ruler of your chart, so that planet that rules your rising sign, these type of con- or Venus in aspect with Pluto, those type of aspects might speak to have craving more control. In a relationship. In a relationship or just in life in general, but especially mm-hmm. when it comes to relationships or other people, there might be that need for like control. And I think that that tends to not go too well with non-monogamy, right? Yeah, um, no, I agree. <laughs> that's a big aspect of it is like willing to like let go of all the control you have over someone. It's basically, you. When I, I say when you enter non-monogamy, and you start leaning more towards like polyamory. So polyamory meaning like more emotional connections. You kind of become more autonomous humans in the sense that you're more individualistic rather than a couple or a pair in a relationship, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. So like you make decisions for yourself. Even though you're still part of this team, it looks a little bit different because you're creating multiple relationships. And so you prioritize everyone and everything mm-hmm. differently and whatnot. That makes so, sense. Yeah. 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 So the Pluto stuff, you know, Pluto in the seventh house even, that can more speak towards monogamy. I was about to ask, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> like me having Pluto in the seventh, you mean? 
Yeah, I think for us it's in the seventh, right? No, you guys have it in the eighth. In the eighth, yeah, okay, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, okay, yeah, and you have, yeah, you guys have some planets close to Pluto, but yeah, again, this is this is all just like pretty generalized. What's the eighth house? The eighth house is sort of, <laughs> it's kind of complicated to explain, but basically it's like where your stuff and other people's stuff sort of intermingle. And so stuff can be anything from like money because it is a, a house that has to do with finances, but usually other people's finances are the money and the assets that you share with others. So hmm. we'll find things like inheritance here. We'll find things like taxes, loans, debt, that type of stuff. Yeah. Also, yeah. we find you can think of stuff as like emotional stuff too or even mm -hmm. psychological stuff. And it tends to be a place where we end up relying on others or others rely on us. So you guys have your chart ruler there, your Mars, which rules your ascendant in the eighth house. So I would imagine you guys are often finding yourselves in positions of supporting other people or being supported by other people. But I would imagine it's the other way around. And yeah, sometimes that might lead to feelings of resentment mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> towards okay. others that the people that you you know helping to support in a lot of ways but also I would imagine you guys are in a really a really good position to support other people just based on the fact that your Mars is in Scorpio which is one of its home places mm -hmm. so that kind of speaks to you being really well resourced mm -hmm. to help other people and support can look financial it can look just like emotional it mm -hmm. can look in so many different ways but or support through a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm learning so much about my chart. I know. I really want to get like, this. Tell me yeah. more about myself. I'm learning. Does that resonate with you? No, it, it does. does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And what's funny is now, granted, I use cafe astrology a lot, but people are often like when I talk about or when I ask them if I can do their birth charts, they're like, oh, do you really believe in all that stuff? But there have been some things that like I've read. I'll never forget this story. I'm just going to pop this in here real quick. I did a guy's chart. I, we had just recently gone on a date. We started hooking up and I did his chart. He was a Leo. Anyways, and I remember as I was reading through this whole report that Cafe Astrology gave me, towards the end, it was like the like hips and lower back area may be an erogenous zone for this person. Mm. And I was reading that. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I have a great ass. Like this will be fine. And, <laughs> and then literally the next day we were hooking up and I don't remember what like position I was in and I'm not going to get too explicit as to what I was doing. But I remember he like literally looks, starts like kind of like touching that area where the hips and the lower back. And he was like, I don't know why, but this just like really turns me on this area. <laughs> That's and so funny. I, I had to, was. yeah, I had to like bite my lip and try so hard not to like bust out laughing in the middle of sex with this guy. Cause I'm like, your freaking astrology chart said this would be an erogenous wow. zone for you. And guess what? It is. So oh, now I'm so curious what, what the placement was. But yeah. And then there was another guy where his whole chart said he does not open up emotionally. And when it was a Gemini that I got a birthday cake mm -hmm. for, whenever we were like parting our ways, I'm like, based on your chart, you don't open up, dude. And he met a girl that he really liked. And that's why we ended things and I was like, you need to open up if you want this to work. He was like, you're right. Everything you said about my chart was right. <laughs> it's always, I mean, yeah, <laughs> astrology works. <laughs> so yeah, I think another thing I'll say in terms of like non-monogamy, which I see very, I see in you guys' charts is aspects to Uranus tend to speak to non-monogamy. And the reason that, again, this is not for everyone, but 
generally speaking. Uranus is this planet that has a lot to do with liberation. Mm-hmm. And you could even say like revolution and, and just like authenticity. So Uranus, an aspect to another planet, will make that planet a little bit unstable in some ways. And by that, I mean, just not super consistent, mm-hmm. it kind of like excites that planet in ways. But also it's going to always it's going to make that planet always want something new or different, switch it up, change it up. And mm. so when you have a planet and aspect to Uranus, that can also speak to like craving inconsistency in some ways or or being really turned off by <laughs> consistency. Or what, would you all say it'd be craving chaos? Yes. Definitely. Okay, so that <laughs> really explains my life right there. So you guys, you guys have your sun square Uranus. Yeah, no, I and my one of my favorite sayings that I live by because I just always find myself doing this, like thrive in the chaos. Yeah, because oh, I, I feel like I'm do. always in some sort of chaotic situation. Which I mean, and that usually also that most of that is usually more geared towards like my career life though Mm -hmm. yeah because it's on your midheaven which is the point having to do with career (laughs) well (laughs) if this isn't enough literally so that's that's uranus right there that like purple one yeah Yeah. the mc is the part of the chart that has to do it's basically like 12 o'clock noon the highest point in the sky Mm -hmm. so when you have planets up there it's like they're at their height and the highest like you at your height of your life tends to be like you at your most public career it has to do with career vocation and all that so yeah makes sense yeah Um, no it does but your seventh house sun your sun and your moon all your planets in the seventh house in libra square that uranus and neptune and capricorn and a square is just a 90 degree angle so it a square causes kind of like contention or friction Mm -hmm. um but you know you need friction to to light a match to get things going so it's a really dynamic aspect but yeah it will speak to like the need for change and you know things things switching up every now and then interesting and i would say we generally do tend to never stick to like oh no i like change i don't mind change whatsoever and so and especially like and you know my roster (laughs) changes all the time Mm -hmm. and i just go with it it's like okay fine they're out someone else is in and i think that speaks to i can see how like how you relate that to non-monogamy because for those who probably don't like that chaos and like more of the consistency you know they would look at change and like partners and and that sort of thing or their sex life yeah yeah Mm -hmm. they would not like that and be turned off by it yeah whereas some might want that change and everything exactly kind of question going back to because you mentioned uranus i know pluto is kind of the we talked a little bit about it earlier it's very generational but i was thinking you know looking at like pluto placements in like the last couple generations and like you can kind of see how those pluto placements have affected the generations for example i think is it millennials is scorpio Mm -hmm. and then gen z is pluto and sag in sag right and so i think correct me if i'm wrong Mm -hmm. but kind of the way that i was interpreting it and is sagittarius a cardinal sign no it's a mutable sign mutable sign i'm thinking capricorn then Mm -hmm. yeah so with Pluto and Sagittarius, I think, for example, that the Gen Z and the newer generations could be more open-minded to non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. And I think we're starting to see that quite a bit. I am always all over Reddit and there's like so many people that are like, I'm 18 and entering non-monogamy. And I'm yeah. like, holy shit. I'm yeah. like, that's great. But you know, they're young. And so it's good to see these things, but 
I wonder if that Pluto in Sagittarius has something to do with it. Yeah, I would say so. I would also say, you know, Gen Z, a lot of them have Uranus and Neptune and Aquarius too. Ah. So that just adds like the fire and air combination is a lot more you know, detached, you know, fire and air, they don't attach to things, they rise up as opposed to earth and water that are more dense and, you know, heavier. And so I think that's definitely a part of it that those generational (laughs) millennials who have Pluto and Scorpio, Uranus, Neptune and, and Capricorn, earth and water signs a little bit more, yeah, dense, you could say, but also, I don't know, it's hard to say we crave stability, because we were just born in an era where that's never gonna happen. Yeah, no, I- <laughs> but as you know, you can compare it to Pluto and Libra, who are like the young Gen Xers, and they had Pluto, a lot of them also had Saturn and, and Libra too. And they were like, that generation that like marriage was everything, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking they're like the friends generation and relationships, partnerships, Pluto and Libra kind of intensifies the need for partnership and relationship in for that generation. And I think with Pluto and Scorpio or more about, yeah, I don't know, Pluto and Scorpio, I, I do a lot of work when it comes to generations and especially millennials, but to kind of sum it up, this is not really relationship wise, but I think that as a generation, we're looking for depth. We're looking for to like understand the why of all of it. Like, I think that we're really concerned about like the human condition and like what motivates us to, you know, do the things that we do Mm -hmm. as a generation. That's kind of a big part of who we are as opposed to like Gen Z, Pluto and Sag. I think they're more concerned with the big picture. I think messaging is a really big thing when it comes to Pluto and Sag. Like, They are the masters of messaging and getting the word out, right? Spreading the word. That's why they're so good at social social media. media. Exactly. And why you never want to like get into an internet fight with a Pluto and Sag because they will roast you. Like they, I I never (laughs) want to like get in a Twitter argument with a Pluto and Sag because I, I know I wouldn't be able to, (laughs) to keep up. (laughs) You got millennials with Pluto and Scorpio. And like you said, we're sitting here, like, I feel like. Scorpio is kind of an emotional sign and, and oh, we're yeah. kind of an emotional generation. Oh, for sure. Literally, like the, I call us the emo generation. We yeah, like, we are. We love emo yeah. music. Yeah. Oh, I do too. And we, we went did, through a scene phase. Yes, we exactly. did. Yes, yeah. The things. <laughs> Everything. And so like you said, we're sitting there and we're asking, why are we doing things this way? Why? You know, when you look at past generations, we look at it all and we're like, this is fucked up. Yeah. We need to redo this. <laughs> I don't like this, so we should change it. But I think Scorpio isn't necessarily the sign for change. No. So you look at- yeah, yeah exactly. So then you look at Sagittarius and like you said, they're kind of the messenger. So they're the ones that are like, hey, we hear what millennials are saying. We agree with this. Let's get the message out. And then now you've got the younger generation or like the babies being born now. Pluto and Cap. In Capricorn. Yeah. And Capricorn's, Capricorn's a sign. get shit done. Yeah. yeah. Capricorn's a sign of doing. So Capricorn's going to look at what all the crybabies Scorpio said. Oh, yeah. And then what Sagittarius is like <laughs> screaming at them and be like, all right, we're going to fix this. Yeah. So their generation is going to be the one. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I mean, the Pluto and Caps, you, if you meet any of them like already, especially the Capricorns, the Pluto and Cap, like they are old people already. They might be seven, <laughs> but they are literally like 70 years old already. They're old souls. I um, get that. And it's not fair for them that they had to, you know, fix the world for us. And we <laughs> have to wait have that to. long. Yeah. But I think that they're the ones who are actually going to do something, especially about climate change. They 
they care a lot more than it seems like than the rest of the world does. The babies do. Well, I wonder if they're going to do anything about monogamy, or I should say, <laughs> decriminalize. <laughs> if they're going to do anything to decriminalize, I, I think they're probably going to be like, we don't care about all of that right now. We're just trying to like save the planet. <laughs> A more righteous endeavor, I should say. Yeah. But no, I mean, because I, like I said, I think the Pluto in Sag generation is starting to see more of the non-monogamy and kind of be drawn to it. And I'm curious what Pluto and Capricorn will do about it because I don't necessarily think Capricorn's a very non-monogamous kind of sign. Yeah, but if you think about in their, their nature, parents or Pluto and Cap's parents are mostly millennials. Oh, that's true. And so they'll learn, you know, they'll see our models for a relationship and go from there. So we have to set those models for them to see. Yeah. So we have to like inspire the younger generation to, and that's kind of, you know, I've said before, that's kind of what I want to do with this podcast is just like help younger people learn that there are different ways to look at relationships. Yeah. And so do I have any Capricorn? We have Capricorn in our chart. Is yeah, that the just, doer in me that wants to do that? Just your midheaven, just like the career stuff. That's really where it shows up Interesting. for you guys, this career, yeah. That's good to know. Well, because, I mean, like I said, I, I want people to be able to look at relationships differently. I think the way that we did it in the past, you know, in terms of society, like that marriage, and I'm married, obviously. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with marriage. There's nothing wrong with monogamy. But it's not the only answer. It's not the only option. Yeah, I think so many of us, like, watched our parents and like have unhappy marriages right um by us i mean like millennials like mm-hmm. we watch our parents go through divorces and just be unhappy in general and i think that's really where a lot of this comes from is like okay there has to be another way because i don't want to do that like i don't want to say i do and then commit to this person for the next 70 years one of my penis life. for life yes yeah and then it's yeah and then yeah it's almost like we can like see it coming we can see like how unhappy we would be mm-hmm. <laughs> in that scenario and trying to do something about it now Interesting. So I guess for future reference for me when I'm doing guys' birth charts, what I need to look at is their seventh house. Any particular signs in the seventh house? I'm curious. Yeah, so we can talk about that a little bit. I would say mutable signs, in my experience, tend to be a little bit more open to non-monogamy. Which ones are the mutable signs? So the mutable signs are Gemini, Gemini. Virgo, Sagittarius, and Pisces. So, interesting so that okay. means like if you're one of those signs if your rising signs is one of those four signs that means your seventh house is also going to be so yeah mutable rising mutable risings so gemini virgo mm-hmm. what was it sag? sag and pisces yeah pisces and the reason is is because the mutable signs are referred to as double bodied signs which means like the symbols that represent them what i'm trying to say like the things that are associated with them, like, for instance, Sag is a centaur, right? Like double bodied, meaning the body oh, yeah, the yeah. body is a horse, the, the top is a, a man. Makes sense. Pisces, okay. two fish swimming in opposite directions. Gemini is the twins. I forget how Virgo is double bodied. It's like the virgin and the wheat, something like that. But regardless, they're, they're referred to as double bodied, which means that there is like a mutableness to them, like a adaptability to them. And they're ruled by Mercury and Jupiter. So Mercury rules Gemini and Virgo, Jupiter rules Pisces and Sag. And yeah, these are the two planets that have to do with like adaptability, change. Yeah. So I'm not going to get too much into it, but basically those are the four signs that 
I tend to see are more open-minded towards like different other structures. Ways of, yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. they're more adaptable. They can like kind of fit themselves into different structures. Whereas you get like fixed signs, not so much, not so adaptable. Fixed signs are Taurus, Taurus. Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. And these are signs fixed means stasis or not moving or moving in one direction. Mm. So you don't, you don't find many fixed, signs especially fixed sign rising people to be ones to like want to scatter their energy mutable risings scatter their energy Mm -hmm. which is not a bad thing it's just how it's just how it is fixed risings want to like plant roots like they want to plant themselves somewhere and then it's like grow their roots and And stay there yeah stay there until they determine it's time for them to move they do not want to be moved so when it comes to like monogamy and non-monogamy and just relationships in general they're going to be more likely to want to stay in a relationship or even if they're non-monogamous it might be that they're not dating five different people at a time they're you know they take it a lot more slowly Oh, that makes sense. You can still have, you know, non-monogamous people that like just want two partners. Right. And that's it. Or it's like they have a primary partner that they might live with, that they might not be sexual with, and they might have, you know, one other person that they fulfill those desires with and like that's all they need. You know what I mean? What did you say was the air sign in fixed? Oh, Aquarius. Interesting, because that is my husband. (laughs) And... (laughs) What I've noticed in our non-monogamy journey is that he wants, that's kind of what you just described right there is essentially like my husband to a T. Yeah. I am that primary partner that he likes to have for comfort and stability and whatnot. And then his previous partners in the past were just like for fun and that was it. But like two was like the extent of what he could handle and like that was it. Yeah. And he was an Aquarius rising. That makes sense. Interesting. I also wanted to note about like just Aquarius and Capricorn or sorry, Saturn because Saturn rules both Capricorn and Aquarius. When we see Saturn, it can kind of go either way. So by that, I mean, if you're seventh house is Aquarius or Capricorn, or if you have Saturn in the seventh house, um, that can speak to a, a seriousness about relationships. And it could speak to, you know, I'm serious about this one person, I'm dedicating my energy and focus towards one person. Or it can also show up a lot as like, I'm serious about relationships in general and like getting this right. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely seen that show up in non-monogamy and people who, you know, practice polyamory and and other forms of non-monogamy. It's like, I'm really serious about the idea of relationships and doing this like the quote unquote right way and like being responsible towards my partners. Right. And so, yeah, you might see that in a chart and think, oh, you know, you're you just want one person. But it could just speak to like relationships in general being really important to them. Makes sense. So that was Saturn in what placements? Saturn in the seventh house in general, but also Saturn ruling the seventh house, which would mean Capricorn or Aquarius seventh house interesting i'm learning so much (laughs) i wish i could just do like a whole deep dive with like my current roster with you (laughs) i have most of their charts yeah can we book like a private session so i would i would say yes but it but it's just (laughs) ethically i can't look at people's charts if they haven't consented to it oh okay what if i get their consent yeah. No, can you just look at my chart? <laughs> I can look, yeah, Perfect. we can do that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, no, I always ask people for, you know, may I do your birth chart? And yeah. they're like, sure, what's that? And I'm like, it's this. And they're like, okay, If you're sure. listening, you should also ask for consent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, because it, it is a very personal thing. <laughs> it is. I don't yeah. think people understand it. Yeah. And I remember, I'll never forget this. There was a guy that I asked if I could do his birth chart. 
He was a cancer. I'm not typically attracted to cancer men. They're a little emotional. For emotional me. for sure. Yeah. But I do love them because they're, they're, they tend to be very endearing people. But, and actually my current Dom is a cancer. I think that makes him a good Dom is the yeah. fact that he's a cancer. Actually, Cancers are caretakers. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he's, being a Dom, half of it is being a caregiver. Mm-hmm. He, even though he's more of a master Dom, not a daddy Dom to me. Yeah, he's very much a caretaker. But what I was saying was this guy is a different guy, cancer. And I was like, may I do your chart? He was like, absolutely. And I was reading through it and I was like noticing some things. And I was like, I feel like you've got some, you know, I sent him the whole report and he had like read through some of it. And I was like, I feel like you got some stuff you got to work through. And he was like, yeah, actually. And it turned literally, I just started talking to this guy within five minutes. It turned into like an entire therapy session (laughs) about a surgery he underwent when he was younger. Oh my God. But how nice of him to open up to. It was. And it was like the most endearing conversation, all based on his birth chart. We haven't talked since. (laughs) But for that moment, like it was just a really nice thing. And the fact that he opened up to me. And I remember at one point I texted him, man, we're getting deep here. He was like, I know, but this is really helpful for me. And I'm like, I'm glad. Thank yeah. you. Like, I mean, so I don't know. That happens to me a lot. That's how I met my ex. Like at a bar, I started doing his chart. and Really? What was his sign? Are there... So are there certain, <laughs> wait, are you don't there, like Pisces? Because no, we I'm can a, relate. I'm a Pisces rising. I wrote a book about Pisces. It's just. Really? Pisces men. I don't want to <laughs> be on record talking shit about Pisces men, but. But they're a different person. So I had, um, I was dating, <laughs> there were three men that I dated that were all Pisces sons. I'd have to go look at the rest of their charts because I don't remember what their risings and moons were. Amazing sex Amazing, yeah. with them, just like Leo and Gemini. But they were definitely the more like emotional ones and just like very loving and giving. And they wanted to be showered with praise. Mm-hmm. And so like I definitely obliged to that and whatnot. But they all had the same style in sex and they all had the same style and how they wanted to like be loved on mm-hmm. if that makes sense so, like that was something I noticed but they couldn't share me so they were like can't do the non-monogamy thing and I'm, I'm like okay I'm gonna say yeah I don't really like Pisces for you guys interesting okay so I should stay away from Pisces what? Should, should I, I gravitate away, towards but I think for you guys like my husband's a Taurus oh yeah okay. my dom is a Leo I like Leo I like fire signs for you guys basically I do love Aries Aries Sag, I, see, Leo. I cannot when it comes to Aries and Sagittarius can't do can, it can't do it it might be the Aries might be too much because you guys have so much Libra it's like I would imagine it can be very magnetic and like exciting but then you can get turned off really easily potentially <laughs> By, mm, okay. by that is, Aries. Yeah, that describes um, it perfectly. Because yeah. it's a little bit too, might be a little bit too much for you guys, like a little too direct and intense. That's exactly how I described my most recent Aries to you. Yeah. Because you guys already are Martian. Like you have the really strong Mars and Scorpio. That's like your chart rulers that kind of represents you. I like to say your chart ruler is kind of like your avatar. Oh. I feel like we do have an intensity to us. Yes. Especially yeah. when it comes basically to basically Scorpios. Like that's Oh, uh, mm, I don't use that. <laughs> I like to be Hey, I'm a Scorpio, okay? There's nothing no, wrong with Scorpio. Scorpio women are dope. Scorpio, Scorpio women men, are yeah. dope, but mm. Scorpio men. Trust me, I know. Yeah. I've been I, with three different guys on my birthday. Yeah. It didn't work out. I, Scorpio, Scorpio is usually not a good. But Libra, Libra is. Libra, Libra can be, yeah. Yeah. I do have a Libra partner, and I very much like, and I did our compatibility chart, and it said we would be a great match together if we choose each other. Mm. And you know how Libras are. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys would be great with, with other Libras. I would say probably Virgos, too. 
But all my best friends are Virgos. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, Virgos. Yeah. Virgos, fire signs. I mean, I think Scorpio. I think you guys would do well with Scorpios too. It's just Cami's ex was a Scorpio. Yeah. Ex. My ex fiance. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it might be a little bit too possessive for you guys. Yes. Yeah. Possessive My dad's indeed. a Scorpio man. I know how Scorpio men are. And yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, generally, I do really like Leo energy. It makes for sense. Me, this is Leo is your fifth house of sex and fun and creativity and like oh. the fun stuff. So people whose planets like their sun or other Leo placements fall in your fifth house, like you can have fun with them. And Leo, it can like see all your Libra stuff and your Scorpio stuff. So yeah, it would make sense. It's a really good match for you guys, Leo placements. Good to know. And I'll just clarify for our listeners because last week's episode, I said we broke up <laughs> um, and we did, but um, they got back together, guys. Not in the sense of like- Of titles. Because you had- again. As but, if you had titles before. But just like we're having fun together. Because we so, do have fun together. So like friends right. with benefits. Leos, I have a lot of fun with Leos and I really enjoy his company in general. Not that, like, mindfully speaking, like, topics of discussion, we there isn't a lot of common ground there. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like, activities and, like, doing things, we always had a blast. So. That makes sense. Couldn't quite give that up. And he. Do you on. have his report? No, I do. I'm pulling it up. I want to say he's a Leo sun, Leo moon, Virgo rising. How do you feel about Geminis? Because I have three Geminis in my life right now that I really like. Sort of my kryptonite. Mine too. But how how does that pair? <laughs> oh, Leo I'm rising, curious. Leo sun, Virgo moon. Virgo moon. Okay. So he's a new moon baby like you guys. I like that for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. looks. I can understand why you'd be attracted <laughs> into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. A little too much. So just can't give him up. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to let go of fire because especially Leo fire because it's like the fire of the sun. Like Leo is ruled by the sun. So mm-hmm. when the Leo gives you attention, it's like the sun shining on you. Like it's hard to let that go. I, I totally get it. Yeah. They're so warm and like you want to get closer to a Leo. It's like getting close to the sun, you know. That absolutely makes sense because there was a Leo that I was seeing. It didn't end well, but he did hit me up recently when venus entered scorpio anyways and i remember that that's what like when he gave me attention that's like literally what it felt like the sun shining on you and i just remember i craved that so much and every time that he wouldn't give me attention which is more often than not I was like, I don't know how to describe it, but I I wouldn't say like I was like obsessive over it, but like I just felt like I was like constantly like yearning for that attention again. And I'm not like very few people have that effect on me where I'm like, I want their attention like that. So it's a Leo. I mean, I have Leo in Vegas that I'm hoping to go see soon. Nice. Um, For the same reasons. It's like he's been my friends with benefits since we were like 14. Haven't hooked up with them maybe like 10 years, but it's sort of like I need that. I need that warmth. I need someone to like tell me I'm hot and yeah. make me actually believe them. Well, and I, there is always something about Leos that I like, I crave. And when they give me that attention and continue to do so, yeah. it's like a drug. It is. Yeah. It's like, don't go anywhere. You don't I want the sun to, to set. You want, yeah, you want it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't mind nighttime, but still, you get tan <laughs> under the sun at least. Yeah, you do. Do you guys like sunset? I like it better than sunrise. I'm not a morning I person. I just asked because you guys were born at sunset and. I'm just wondering if 
Oh, that, that makes might sense. be a special time of day for you. I it's always a time of reflection for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like if I'm, it's always when beach, I feel productive. Mm. Yeah, and the sun is setting. I do feel peak energy at that time. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say true. peak energy for me too. That's when I'm suddenly like, let's go get shit done. Yeah. Like if I haven't gotten it, like yesterday, I was um, home. Noon time, I'm dragging. Yeah, but yesterday I was home and I was a little sick in the morning. Then I was starting to feel better, and I don't know why, but like right around like six, seven p.m., probably closer to seven, suddenly I was like, I need to clean the whole house, and I did. <laughs> like not many people, people usually clean like in the morning, and it was like literally seven p.m. I just made dinner and I cleaned my whole house. So hey, when it hits, you gotta you gotta yeah. go for it. Interesting. I like astrology because it's so fun to see like all these kind of patterns and things. I think there's a lot of validity to it. I know it doesn't have to be for everyone, just like non-monogamy doesn't. But I like it in the sense that if you really deep dive into it, you actually like learn a lot about yourself and yeah. the and it's not definite. So I remember there was a guy once he was like, Is it definite like you're a Gemini's son? Like this is how you are. And oh. I'm like, no, I'm like, it's kind of or at least the way I look at it, you're gonna have these tendencies, right? But like based on your environment, how you were raised things like that, like some of those tendencies you're going to feed more than others. That, and, so. and it's just, it's way more than just being a Gemini son too. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the Gemini, so like that's you and a 12th of the world is a Gemini son, right? So mm-hmm. obviously not all Geminis are going to be the same, but where like, is your son, what house is the son in? What aspects is it making? What's your, it's, you have to take the entire chart into consideration. And yeah, I would say like astrology, like it works if you're interpreting it right, right? Right. That makes sense. So now when, as far as compatibility reports, do you believe in those? Like, or no. No, <laughs> I mean I don't know. I haven't I haven't actually looked at one in probably like okay, but like chart five, comparisons. Like, how do you approach chart I, comparisons? Like for for I someone, don't, you mean personally or like it's you and your boo? You want to see how oh, y'all yeah, charts? How it looks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have my own ways of like going about it, but my primary thing I'm looking for is patterns, like similar patterning. So, for instance, let's see what's a pattern in your chart, like. You guys have such a strong Mars. So I would imagine you would be really frustrated by people who have weak Mars. Like, Can you elaborate on that? Yes, I will I, elaborate. I'm, I have I'm some like, people in mind that I'm trying to. Yeah, because I also have Mars and Scorpio like you guys. And I've dated a lot of people with Mars and Libra and Mars and Taurus. And it is really frustrating because Mars and Scorpio people, we are very decisive. We can just like we know what we want, and if we know what we want, we go after it and we get it. That's exactly me in a nutshell. Yeah. And people with Mars and Libra, it's really especially frustrating with men, I think, or Mars and Taurus, which basically Libra and Taurus are Venus's signs. So when Mars is in Venus's signs, you get a very it's not as strong, it's not as direct and you and know powerful, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. People with Mars and Libra or Taurus tend to take way too long to make decisions they tend to be a little bit passive aggressive because they don't have that like direct martian principle that people of mars and scorpio have or mars and, and aries so i would say like yeah looking to stuff like that i would look to you guys are born during a new moon like maybe you know other new moon people might have that familiar sort of vibe to them but if you're looking for like very general things yeah this is what i would say look at your seventh house Look at any planets there. Planets in your seventh house will kind of, it will speak to like characteristics that your partner would ideally have. So Mm -hmm. for example, I have Jupiter in the seventh house. I am going to go for people who have a lot of 
how can I say that's like people who are really into education and knowledge and like mm, learning mm-hmm. spirituality, like Jupiter things. Also people who are really like jolly, you might say, or like have a sense of humor. So I would look to planets there. I would look to the sign in your seventh house. That's also going to speak a lot to the type of person that you're attracted to. I have Virgo. My seventh house is Virgo and I just love Virgos and just mercurials in general meaning people who Virgos ruled by Mercury. So mm-hmm. Gemini's and Virgos I'm very attracted to. I would see if, yeah, the people that you're interacting with kind of fit into your seventh house themes. So also look into the planet that rules your seventh house. For you guys, it's it's Libra, or sorry, Venus. For me, it's Mercury. So again, you might be attracted to Venusian mm-hmm. types. I'm definitely attracted to Mercurials. Like I've dated so many writers and people that do mercury type things. Okay. Um, but in general, Venusians are like artists, like oh. musicians, people who deal with art and beauty and connection. I've dated a lot of producers. Yeah. So people who like work in those industries, you mean music producers, uh, music and like film, film producers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of film work in directors industry yeah. having to do with aesthetics basically. Makes sense. I have a question. Have you ever like looked at a chart and have been like, no, I'm not going to do you. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely this guy from hinge the other day like i gave him my number because i don't like be on the apps and i was like yeah we can text because i don't have my notifications on and we were texting and it was fine and i saw his chart and i was like i just finished dating a gemini with no water in his chart and he was great but i don't think i'll do that again like date someone with no water because i'm very watery um, and I saw this guy's chart and I was like, hell no. It was all <laughs> fire and air, like all fire and air. Oh, shit. And he cold calls me the other day and just like this is Gen Xers, like they don't like texting, I guess, in his late 30s. He calls me and just like talks my ear off about how amazing of a teacher he is and how oh, he's wow. changing these kids lives. And I'm just like, yeah, I can't do this. I can't. <laughs> so, yeah, it happens. There's definitely I just know like I won't be able to. I can't do the no, the no water. Wait, I'm curious because you mentioned you're on the dating apps. Have you ever considered any form of non-monogamy? Are your seventh house and fifth house placements? <laughs> yeah, I've definitely considered. I've, I dated someone who was poly once and oh. I was one of his couple partners that he had. And Was he married or was he doing solo he was, poly? No, he was in like a... 10-year relationship so they weren't married but okay so the primary partners yeah and you were secondary I wouldn't no I think he had he had this other girl that was like his secondary partner I was more of like girlfriend fuck around for the summer sort of thing makes sense um were you okay with that yeah 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 like all I wanted really and I see myself whenever I do enter into the relationship of my dreams. Hopefully it will be non-monogamous. Interesting. Um, But I'm sort of the type that I need like a really strong foundation before going into that. He was definitely dating other people. I wasn't, but also it was like long distance most of the time. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of one of those things where it's like, I would gladly be in a poly relationship with you, but you need to commit to me first, you know? Like, we can't just, like, start off with no solid foundation, no solid container. Like, a half-solid container and then start dating other people doesn't 
really work. So No, and I definitely believe in that foundation, but there are plenty of people who start their relationships automatically yeah. non-monogamous or and it can work. I have two very good friends. As soon as they started dating, within less than a year of dating, they were like, "Let's, you know, do non-monogamy." And they've been doing it successfully for like 10 years now. So yeah, it, it can work. I, it just it's going to depend on kind of, you know, person, how the yeah. yeah, how they prefer to start it, whether with a foundation or without. And and I maybe that's a fixed mutable you know yeah. one of those things I don't know or depending I know. on I feel places. like I was talking to a friend once who is very fixed like me but also non-monogamous and she was just like yeah I don't trust monogamy and I was like same I just don't trust <laughs> it <laughs> I just don't trust it it'll work out you know in the end I've never looked at it that way yeah Interesting. that's kind of how ideally yes like it'd be great to just like have one person and have them be your everything but maybe that's not even ideal because I feel like I just don't trust it. I don't trust it. That's a lot of press. Well, and that's why I believe in non-monogamy because I think it's too much to put on one person to to take care of all your needs. Yeah. Yeah. You're one person. How are you going to be? Where did I hear this? Oh, was it that show Sex Life? When she goes and talks to the therapist and he was like, she wants to, I don't know if you watch the show, it's on Netflix. I've talked about it before. Sex Life? So yeah, on Netflix. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. But she's got her husband who's like this like safe, you know, like really reliable lawyer kind of guy, you know, and then she wants to go and fuck around with her like ex who's like this like music producer and hot and, you know, he's got the long hair and all this stuff, like two very (laughs) different men. And so not once in this show did they explore non-monogamy because usually they don't. But it became very apparent to me that she could have. And there was a scene where the therapist was saying he was like, that person that's your rock, your comfort, your stability can't be the same person that provides that fire, that passion, that rush of excitement. What's wrong with that? Yeah, that's like exactly. I've started I just started reading Mm -hmm. slash listening because I don't read anymore. (laughs) Listening to this audio book. You guys know Esther Perel? Sounds familiar. She's like has this super popular couples therapy podcast sort of thing. What's it called? What is it called? (laughs) Esther. I forget. Esther Perel. She's like I don't know if she's French or what, but she's super popular. I think I know you're talking about. What's the book about? I'm gonna find the book name. I just I just oh mating in captivity. Mating in captivity. And yeah, it's called reconciling the erotic and the domestic. And that's basically like exactly what she says in the very beginning is like Mm. we cannot rely on one person to be both our stability and our consistency and also our excitement and like and I think you need both in life I think well I mean and that's why you have like then in the newness of relationships when you first start with someone they're kind of both yeah you know because you still have like that honeymoon phase and then after time it's like it it evolves yeah especially have kids and like all the things that come with, adult with life. life. Yeah, like exactly. You, you kind of settle into like this groove of, but I guess in that scenario, you know, then I guess you're always kind of looking for that excitement. So you can't just pick up, you know, 20 people along the way. Some of those are going to have to yeah. walk off the path. Definitely. Otherwise, you're going to have like a million relationships. That's the same with like friends too. Yeah, right? that's true. Oh, that's very true. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Because you have new, exciting friends. They want to go do new things that, you know, your other friends didn't want to do. And now it's all fun. And, but, you know, you kind of rotate through them throughout the years. I think they say seven years is like Probably. the average lifespan for friends. And then that's- after seven, they're lifelong. And if not, then it kind of goes away. I'm curious. I just thought of this. What is it? Saturn return. It happens at like 27. Are there certain, because you know, certain planets when they like hit their returns, Pluto return for the US coming up Mm -hmm. or, you know, Saturn Mm -hmm. return. 
for people at like 27. Well, you guys are yeah. in it. We're, all, we're in it because you have Saturn and Aquarius and yeah. So it's like a fun do, time. <laughs> it's it's been terrible. Um, but I'm wondering, like, are there certain like planetary times for people that are really going to affect their relationships besides well, maybe Saturn? Definitely Venus retrograde. That's oh. definitely one that comes. Wait, aren't up. we in Venus ret- retrograde right now? It's mm. coming up at the okay. end of the year. It happens like every 18 months, about every year and a half. Mm. And Venus actually retrogrades in the same sign every eight years. So eight years ago, we had a Venus retrograde in Capricorn. We're going to have one again this year. In eight years, we'll have another one in Capricorn. Like 2020, we had Venus retrograde in Gemini. We also had that in 2012 and 2004, like every eight years, basically. So um, Venus retrograde, because Venus rules love and relationships. When Venus goes retrograde, that tends to bring up things having to do with relationships and partnerships for folks. So when is it? It starts <laughs> December December 19th this year and then goes to like the end of January. I think it's like January 28th or 29th or so. So it lasts for about a month or so, a little over It's a about a month and a half usually. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So that's yeah. when stuff comes up for relationships. It tends to be a time of like renegotiating or, you know, stuff comes up that you cannot ignore anymore. <laughs> We're going to analyze this again. What signs are affected during Venus retrograde? I would say everyone's affected, but if you are a Taurus or a Libra rising, you're definitely, because Venus is like your planet, your avatar. Right. So if you're a Taurus or Libra rising, it's like you you are going retrograde too. Interesting. Um, If you are an Aries or Scorpio rising, Venus rules your relationships. So that's also going to bring up some stuff for sure. And then if, if you are cancer rising, this is happening in your seventh house of relationships. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. Those are, but everyone can be affected by it, especially like if you have planets in Capricorn, it's going to, yeah, stand mm. out, folks. Good to mm. know. Interesting. See, with the Pisces moon, I decided this is a time for me to be single and not to try to actively date. Yeah, so. well, Pisces is, is the 12th house for you guys. So the 12th house is like things that are kind of like hidden and subconscious or unconscious. Mm. And when there's a full moon there, it's like putting the lights on in like a dark place. That's basically. exactly what happened. Okay. So it's yeah. like yeah. all these self-undoing stuff can come up yeah so that was not a fun one for you guys no it really no, wasn't. it really wasn't but the upcoming there's gonna be a libra new moon which is great for you guys especially relationship wise so if you want to yay you know set some intentions Thank around God. relationship stuff yeah. and then there's aries full moon the 20th of october and that's gonna light up your first house of self and body and all that type of stuff so perfect Nice. Well, this has been really, really interesting. Not a lot of our listeners are probably like super into astrology, but I love it. I think I, like I said, I think there's a lot of value in it. Yeah. So (laughs) please go do your chart. Maybe go look at your seventh and fifth houses. And if you need help with that, Google is a great resource. Yeah. uh, What else? mm, What what do you suggest? I I would not <laughs> okay no take that back <laughs> yeah, what do you recommend resource but i'm always going to recommend following actual astrologers okay um, so like you at like the astrology, me, and yeah. i will just say like i'm someone who is connected to a lot of astrologers and if you follow me you're going to see me posting about a lot of other astrologers that you can mm-hmm. follow that i would that yeah. i co-sign at least because i don't Makes co-sign sense. every astrologer but yeah i would follow astrologers and the work that they're doing because that's where you're going to get actual like good content. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
go do your chart and of course follow the astrology t-h-e-r okay yeah yeah i'll get the point but yeah thank, thank you, you for coming on we really appreciated yeah. this can i just plug my app one more time oh of yeah, course for yeah. Sure. yeah so cusp astrology i think we're cusp.astrology on instagram we haven't we're launching at the end of october but it's if you're interested in love sex relationships from like a a modern queer perspective then um, love that you're going to want to download our app yeah i can't wait to check it out i'm super excited for it so yeah thank you again thank you all right we'll see y'all next week another special guest and we're so excited so come back again